Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's better, isn't it? And I forgot my notes. Leo, can I grab my notes, please? (laughs) See, the darkness confounds you, doesn't it? You end up not doing what you should be doing just because of a lack of light. Hey, good morning, church. Welcome along. It's my privilege. I'm Bruce, by the way. It's my privilege to be bringing the word to you this morning. So uh, if you're into titles, I am. Uh, so the title of this message this morning is Lamps and Bowls. And of course, if you're on the Metro Church online platform, then of course, uh, we've got the sermon notes there for you to follow through. And we always have hard copies every single week. So you can grab a copy of those uh, if you would like to follow on through. Let's have a look at that scripture again, though, uh, because that's really what today's message is about. So this is Matthew chapter 5 and verses 15 to 16. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So when it comes to the bowl, you know, we might feel sometimes that we've been living under a bowl. It might be for a long period of time. Perhaps it's just a particular part of your life. I know that can happen to me. It can happen to all of us, I'm sure, that something happens and it's just like there's constriction that can come. There's kind of like you just pull back just a little bit sometimes, just maybe in that one area of your life. Everything else is going well, but it can just be one area sometimes where things are getting to you or it's a challenge or it's something that you were unprepared for. Maybe something happens. You didn't think it was going to happen the way that it did actually happen. And it can pull you. It can, uh, you know, affect you. You can pull back sometimes. You can kind of like get under that lamp a little bit, and and the light just grows just a little bit dim in some of those areas. But letting your light shine is an active thing. It won't just happen by itself. It requires us to do something. And God, the Creator of everything and everyone, certainly showed us the power of being active. So let's have a look at Genesis 1. This is where it all began, which is fantastic. Uh, Genesis 1, verses 1 to 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Emphasis there on said. God just didn't think that there was going to be light. Obviously, he planned about it and he thought about it, but it went beyond the thought. The Bible doesn't say God thought about light and there was light. The Bible says God said, let there be light. So that's the doing part of it. So for us, whatever we intend to do, intentions is great. That's where things start. But it needs to go beyond the thought. It needs to be followed by actions. Now, I'm sure we've all had a variety of thoughts. I know I have. Things like, I must start going to the gym. 
I really should eat more healthy foods. I need to take some time off work for a holiday. I need to spend more time with the family. I should weed the garden. I should say sorry to that person. But they're just thoughts. And I know that the Christian life is a lot more than thoughts. The Bible says that we need to confess our sins to God. We need to confess and declare that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Not just think about doing that, but actually do that. There is so much the Bible talks about going beyond just thoughts, but into the doing. The Christian life is all about that. You know, if somebody didn't know you were a Christian, and then they found out that you were, would they be shocked? Or would they say, yeah, I thought so? I hope it's the latter. So if we're going to be a light for others, if we're going to be shining for others, what level of brightness might that light be? And can a light be too bright? Can it be too much? I think it can sometimes. I didn't want to shine this, but um, hopefully you can see this on my shirt. There we go. And no, that's not a sniper about to take me out. Hopefully you can see this. I've got a uh, laser pointer here. So these are really cool devices. If you've been doing presentations, and I've done a lot of these over the years, then uh, you can use these uh, pointers to demonstrate different points that might be on the screen, highlighting different things. Uh, Death by PowerPoint is quite often when they are used, and hopefully you don't do too much of that. But this laser, and uh, we do not do this, this is incredibly dangerous and unsafe, but you are not meant to point these at people. And you certainly do not shine them in anybody's eyes, including your own, because they can cause permanent blindness. So then when we're looking about the brightness of us shining our light for Jesus, can it be too bright? Well, in one sense, I think it can be. But it perhaps is not so much about the brightness, but the way in which the light is used. The way in which you are lighting up and providing illumination uh, into other people's lives. You may have heard the, uh, the kind of like the funny little analogy about there's two reasons why people haven't become a Christian. Either they've never met one or they've met one. And, uh, you know, I don't want it to be because they met me as a Christian and I was not a good example of Jesus. I want to be a great light for Jesus. I want to be a great example for him. So our lamp, the lamp of our lives, we're meant to be helpful to people, not to be hindrances. And we're meant to be ready to let our light shine wherever we are. Here's a scripture for us. This is 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. You know, we can easily cherry pick some verses and not read on the rest of the chapter. And I think it's great that we're always ready to say why we're so happy. And, you know, no, it's not because we're on illegal drugs. We just, we just love Jesus. But when we do that, let's not be a little bit weird when we do that. Because the, the final part there says, do this in gentleness and with respect. So you can witness, and you can witness ineffectively, but you can witness effectively. And this word says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you the reason for 
the hope that you have. So have that in mind. Don't be caught off guard. It could just be something really simple. It could be like, well, I follow Jesus because I just know that God loves me. I never thought that I could be loved because of what I did or because maybe of what some people did to me. But I follow Jesus because God loves me. You know, that person just might need to hear that God loves them as well. And that could be an incredible, powerful testimony for that person. So our lamps are meant to be seen. There's your first point there. Point number one, lamps are to be seen. So point number two, and I kind of alluded to this uh, a little bit earlier. Point number two, bowls can hide the light. Here's a scripture for us, James chapter 1, verses 22 to 24. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So the message here, reading the word, that's great. Good start. But it's not just about reading it. Doing it is even better. And when we come to understand who we are in Christ, it enables us to do the things that God has called us to do. If we don't know who we are, then how are we supposed to know what to actually do? So our identity is found in Christ. And if I can just circle back there to verse 23 and 4, which says, Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is someone who is like looking at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets. So we've got to keep going back to the word to see what does the word of God say about me. We sung about some of those powerful scriptures this morning, things like your word, your promises never fail. Well, that's what God is saying. And we find so much about what God says about us that we have a plan and a purpose. He numbers the hairs on our head. He knows exactly who we are. So we get incredible identity through the word of God. And that's part of how we get to be a light to others. That's how we cannot hide our light, but let it be shining to others. So we absolutely need to let our light shine. And we need to make sure that Christ is that light. So let me give another demonstration here. This is demo morning visuals. Because you know what? We are visual creatures. That's how we, uh, that's how we work. Here we go, and oh, here we, here we are. I would not have been a very good firebug. Not that there's a good firebug. Don't do that. <laughs> so there we are, beautiful candle there. So that's what we're meant to do. We're meant to let God light the flame of our life through Jesus. That's what happens when we get born again. When we accept Jesus into our hearts, that's what happens. He lights the lamp of our life, and I'll just put that there. And we're meant to live our lives for God, shining for him. Now, of course, in doing that, circumstances of life, things can happen. We all live in a world where things can happen. Anyone remember the last couple of years? I think some stuff happened around the world. Things can happen. What we need to make sure, though, is that we keep on returning to the master, to the saviour. Keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Keep going back to his word. Going back to verses like James 1 not looking in the mirror and forgetting who we are, but focusing on him and making sure that we don't let our lights grow dim. We need to continue to be that light for Christ. But, you know, it's easy to take our eyes off the light of our soul, 
Maybe we feel like we're a part-time Christian sometimes. Sunday is a great day to be a good, a good Christian, absolutely. Uh, I think you should be at your best when you're here on Sunday. Um, if you're not, well, you're also in a great place. But, uh, you know, how many of us have just got a Sunday mode Christianity? I know when I first became a Christian, I thought going to church was what it was about because I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And I soon realised that, you know what, this probably shouldn't just be about Sunday. It's not about going to church. It's not even about, you know, raising my hands and singing the songs and doing things like that. It should be about being a Christian every single day. And so that means having a regular connection time. We've got a quiet time, you might have heard it referred to as. It's about reading God's word all the time and letting him fire you up. Uh, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13 says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? And again, I remember as an early Christian reading stuff like that, and it, it really struck, struck fear into my heart. I thought, but if I, if I make a mistake, if I drop the ball here, if I do things that I shouldn't do, is that, is that me then? Is that me losing some of my saltiness? And is that like you know, the end of the road? Am I ever going to be able to come back to God again? And I realized I wasn't understanding the love and the nature of God in reading a verse so literally like that. Certainly the warning is there, but God's word says that if we should confess our sins to Jesus, then he forgives us. And so even if that is letting that salt lose its saltiness, it doesn't mean it's the end of it. It just means, hey, be aware of that and we can come back to God and make sure that we ensure that we are being salty again and have the spirit of God working through us. So how else can we be salt of the earth? Well, we kind of like got to get out there and be visible. None of this, you know, being a secret agent for Jesus. Like, have you seen my badge? I'm a Christian. Well, we shouldn't have to be flashing badges. I think people should see us. Like I mentioned before, if people find out that you're a Christian, then they should be pleasantly surprised and go, oh yeah, I thought so. That kind of made sense to me. I saw the reason for that. So be a visible Christian. Be an audible Christian. If all else fails, use words. But use them appropriately. You know, you can speak about your faith in a way that is natural for you. Um, In the first church that that I went to, there was a couple of people there and they were just like incredibly passionate very fired up for God. Uh, they're what the Bible talks about as being evangelists, like they had the gift of evangelism on their life. Now, we're all meant to give a testimony and talk about Jesus. But there are some people that God uniquely calls and gifts. And these people are evangelists and they were just like so on fire. And I just felt terrible. I felt so guilty that I didn't have that zeal that they saw, that I, that I saw in them. I was happy to be a Christian, but they were like going out there, they go onto the streets and talk to anybody and all sorts of things. And I think, well, if you want to do that, that's great. Just exercise wisdom and make sure that you do it in an appropriate way, but do it to a way that is relevant and applicable to you. I was just down to some shops yesterday uh, buying some stuff and um, it was in a, in a clothing store, surprise, surprise for me. And um, so the salesperson at the end of the sale, they got the sale, so they didn't really need to talk to me, but... You know, most salespeople are kind of a bit bubbly and out there. And so um, he said, to, oh, so I've got much planned for the weekend. Uh, what are you up to tomorrow? And I said, oh, I'm going to church. And I expected that to be the end of the conversation because most people kind of like, oh, I don't want to go there. But uh, he, uh, he obviously knew that there were some churches around. He goes, oh, do you go to the one just down here? I said, actually, no, my church is in the city. 
And then he said, oh, which one's that? And I thought, okay, let's keep the conversation going. So I told him, Metro Church. Oh, okay. He said, do you get many people there? I said, well, get a couple of hundred people every Sunday morning. He was like, oh, wow, that's pretty great. And that's where the conversation kind of like ended. But hopefully I was a good witness in the first place, that when I said I was a Christian and I go to church, he went, oh, okay, I can probably see how that works. And I got to tell a little bit about what my church, about what our church was like. But that was in a way that was relevant to me and suited my style. So allow God to work through you and be a voice for him. Just make sure that you don't hide your light and be careful about letting your light get snuffed out. Now, has anyone noticed what happened over here? The candle went out. It got snuffed out deliberately. And it happened slowly, didn't it? It was lit, and then the next second, well, not the next second, but it eventually went out. Obviously, we science experiment here, we cover the oxygen and uh, stopped it from breathing. But that can happen in our lives so easily. It's very easy to just grow a little bit dimmer and a little bit dimmer. You know, it starts not reading your word as much, not praying as much, not coming to church as often as you used to, not doing those nice things that you used to do all the time now as like, maybe if they deserve it, maybe if I feel like it, we'll see how things go. Can I urge you, make sure that you don't let the light of Jesus go out in your life and don't let any bowls come over and smother you and prevent you from being the Christian that God has called you to be. Okay, point number three here. And hey, there's only three points today, so we, we could almost be finished. Or, or this could be a really long point. But point number three, let your light shine. So light has qualities. If you didn't know that, it really does. I wonder what yours are. What are your light qualities? So I'm going to uh, release a little bit of an inner nerd here, and I'm also a bit of a techie. So when it comes to colours that we get to see, typically like on televisions and on screens um, and things like that, there's three main colours that make up all the colours that we see. Red, green and blue. And for the more technically oriented, you might have seen, you know, computer screens and televisions referring to the RGB status of an actual colour or things like that. So how does that actually work when we're looking at colours? I've told you that all colours that we see end up actually having three primary colours, red, green and blue. What do they look like? Well, let me show you. Here's the first one, R for red. So there's an image. Looks a bit eerie, doesn't it? So there's an image for red. So if all you were looking at, if all you could see when you looked at images was the colour red, then that's what that vista would look like. And maybe you've met some people where all they see is red. You familiar with that terminology? The angry people. Red is an angry colour, theoretically, so some people say. It's very easy, if that's your perspective, that's all you see. If you're an angry person, that's all you get to see. You might find it challenging to see good things happening in people or good things happening in life. Or maybe that's how people see you as a red, angry person. I hope not. Let's have a look at the next colour then. We're doing RGB, so G for green. Oh, that's nicer, isn't it? Who loves green except the weeds? Isn't it amazing? Weeds always are green and they're just so lush looking. If I could grow my plants like I could grow my weeds, 
it'd be absolutely awesome. But there's green. Everything's beautiful. Everything's fresh. It's all flourishing. That's a nice way to live, isn't it? And some people can be a little bit too green. And by that, we mean that not really in touch with reality. Need to mature a little bit. Need to grow up a little bit, perhaps. And there might be more going on than you think there might be going on. So have a level of innocence. Jesus says to have an innocence, but also be wise at the same time. So let's have an element of green in us, just not all green. So RGB, up to B for blue. You guessed it. Here we go. There it is. Mm, interesting tone there. If that's the colour that you live, blue quite often refers to, refers to an emotional state, like, oh, I'm feeling a bit blue today. That means you're feeling a little bit on the downside. And that's okay. We've all got emotions. Just don't live in a blue world. Don't be blue all the time. Talk to someone. Reach out to them. Talk to God. Say, God, you know, I'm just really upset about this at the moment, feeling a bit down. God understands. Don't stay in that blue position. And don't be the person that's always blue to others as well. You know, you go to the person, how's things going? Oh, terrible. Ever met people like that? I've met a few Christians, sadly, that are a bit like that. You know, the whole glass half full, glass half empty thing? They're doing the whole glass half empty thing. How are you going today? Oh, it's terrible. It's raining. It's like, okay. Well, rain's good, you know. It's good for the garden. Oh, yeah, but it's going to bring up the weeds. Okay, well, it's good for the dams. Yeah, but then the dam's going to burst. Oh, it's great for, um, you know, washing the car. Yeah, but I just washed the car. So let's not be blue people either, where there's always a problem with something. You know what we need to be? This next image. Full of colour. Full of life. Elements of all three. Red, green and blue. That's all part of it. It's all part of life. But let's live a life full of colour. Full of the joy that God has given us that he wants us to have as well. And how do you do that? Here's a scripture for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 22. To the weak I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. So you can walk alongside the person who's angry, but you can help them simmer that down. If someone's feeling a bit blue and down, that's okay. Don't rebuke them, but help them with that. If they're green and you know, a little bit on the naive side, well, you can bring some teaching, you can bring some correction, but just realise that's a part of them just like it's a part of you as well. So be all things to all people. I absolutely love that. Now, I'm a bit of a reader. I'm interested in lots and lots of things. And I actually said during mingle time, hey, guess what, Nikki? I'm not doing anything about planes today. So I'm not, even though I just mentioned planes. And the same with cars. Nothing about cars today, other than the fact that I just mentioned them. But I've got so many interests. And part of my interest in all my interests is that I like to be able to talk to almost anybody about almost anything. So that within a conversation, I can chime in and have some level of knowledge about quite a lot of things. Not everything, of course. Everyone's got their limits. But I like to be able to engage in a conversation with somebody so that I can be personable, so that I can get to know them a little bit. And obviously, that depth is going to only go to a certain level based on who I'm talking to. But I try to put this uh, scripture into practice to become all things to all people so that I might save some. Because if I've just got a response of, no, I don't know, that conversation is not going to go very far. 
So I like to try and do that. But it can be about a personality uh, and all those sorts of things as well. Okay, so we're talking about letting your light shine. We've been talking about your light. What qualities is your light have? How bright is your light? Speaking of brightness and lights, who's got a night light in their home? Let's look around there. Got a few, couple of hands, maybe. I've got one on my ensuite. Um, we've actually got a, uh, a, a glass panel on the front of our ensuite door, uh, which is, of course, attached to our, our master bedroom. And so we've got a nightlight in there so that at night time there's a bit of a glow that you can see where the door is. And when you go in and you do the whole midnight toilet run, your eyes don't get, you know, blurry and stuff. But there's enough to, you know, see to do what you need to do. But you don't have to blind the other person. So I love nightlights. I reckon they're fantastic. But this thought also came to me in regards to nightlight. Maybe you feel like a nightlight sometimes for Jesus. Maybe you feel that in the things of God or maybe just in parts of your life, you're not shining incredibly bright like these ones up on stage. Maybe you feel a little bit like a nightlight. Need a bit of a boost up, need a bit of a turn up the voltage, change the globe. Well, that's okay. We can all be like that sometimes. Just reach out to God. He'll be there. He'll help you. Maybe you're thinking, well, like, you know, I don't feel like I'm a nightlight, but I feel like my influence is a little bitty nightlight. You think, oh, look, I'm, I'm just there for others, but it doesn't really count. I don't think I really matter all that much. Or maybe it's like, well, yeah, I've done some things from here to there, but I don't think they really count. The Bible says if you give a cup of water to somebody in Jesus' name, then it is a significant thing that you are doing. Maybe you want to do more for God. You think, well, you know, I look at this person over here and I think, wow, isn't it amazing all the things that they're going to do or that they have done? But I don't think that I get to do that much. Well, here's a bold prayer. Ask God to use you more. I don't think you will ever not answer that prayer. You know, the one he loves the most is starts with the word yes. Yes, Lord, here am I. Yes, Lord, send me. Yes, Lord, I will do what it is that you would like me to do. Now, I understand there can be reluctance there, there can be self-doubt on there, but I don't want to encourage you all. There is so much more inside of every single one of us. None of us are accidents. God has called every single one of us. He has a plan and a purpose for each of us. You know how I know that? Because he says so. And we heard earlier, and we saw earlier, God is a God of action. He does. And he wants us to do so. When he says that there is a plan and a purpose for us, then there is. And it's up to us to just press in a little bit more. And do whatever it is that you find before yourself. Here's a verse that um, many of us probably know. And I've just deliberately, I've chosen this verse from a slightly different version of the Bible that you might not always read. So this is Luke 16 and verse 10. He who is faithful in a very little thing is also faithful in much. Now, different versions have a bit of an emphasis on there about being faithful with small things. Otherwise, you won't get an opportunity to be involved in bigger things. But I love what the Amplified Bible says here. He who is faithful in a very little thing is also faithful in much, which means that it's about a heart attitude. So that if you think it's a small thing, that's okay, but it's just as important as what you do with the big things. So start with the small things and work up to whatever size things God might have before you. So as we come to a wrap-up for this part of the message, seek God's direction 
I love doing that. I'm always asking God, God, what does he want me to do? I'm asking for more clarity. I'm always praying for more direction. I'm always enabling God to work through me in whatever way he wants to. And uh, this is one of my favorite verses. This is Proverbs chapter 3 and verses 5 to 6, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Notice the last word there, paths, plural. So it's not just, well, God, what do I want to have for lunch today? And uh, should I buy that car? It's ask him for direction for our paths. So God is wanting to give direction to every single part of our life. And I love the part that it says, don't lean on your own understanding. So if God places something on your heart, then trust in him that he will enable you to be able to do that. It might have nothing at all to do with what you are thinking about. But if you trust in him, if you trust that he's the one who's brought you forward, then he will equip you for that. You know, I've alluded to it before. Doing good things for God, it's not hard. You know, there are opportunities all of the time. Driving is an amazing opportunity to be an awesome Christian and to demonstrate love and to be visually showing it in a nice way, not the other form of bad communication visually. Supermarket checkouts, I think they are fantastic when there's a lot of people waiting there and you're waiting there too. And how many times has this happened to you or it's just me? Someone doesn't realize that you are actually in that queue and so they then join that queue. And you've got a couple of seconds there, maybe just less than one, to choose how am I going to respond here? Am I going to be incredibly gracious or am I going to clearly communicate to them that I was here first and that they have actually just pushed in? And the, the thing with that is, you know, the supermarket and the, and the driving and no matter what it actually is, those are individual instances. But on every single instance, if you've got to really work out what your response is going to be, then I really wonder how much of Jesus is in you. It should be an automatic response to be gracious, to let the person go and go, you know what, whatever, it's not a problem. The queue doesn't really matter. It's interesting, I, um, I went on an uh, international missions trip uh, a few years back, back in 2019, and went to Peru, some of you might know that, and um, it was quite the ordeal uh, to get there and to get back. I ended up having to take five different flights to get to Peru. I mean, they say, you know, Perth is one of the most isolated cities in the world. Absolutely, I felt it on those, you know, 36 hours it took me to get to Peru, and I was at one of the airports, I think it was in um, Santiago in Chile. And I was in this huge big queue and everyone's waiting and it looked like the flight was going to get delayed. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm here for God. I'm trusting God. And that if my flight is delayed, if I miss my flight, I'm just going to trust in God anyway. So I was just lying, waiting in the queue, going very, very slowly. And understandably, I saw everyone else around me stressed faces, huffing, puffing, all that kind of stuff. And in that, whilst I was in that queue, for which was around about 25, 30 minutes, it was a long queue that I was in, after a while, I kind of started to notice this guy over on the other side of the queue, he kept eyeballing me. And I'm like, okay, this is getting a bit strange, mate. Would you, what's going on here? And then the, the queue kind of like snakes around a little bit. And then he was getting closer and he kept on staring me out. And I was kind of like getting a little bit freaked out by this stage. And then he comes up to me. I'm like, okay, here we go. 
game on. Let's see what happens here. And he says, excuse me, he goes, are you on the same flight as everyone else? Like, we're all waiting for this flight to wherever. And I said, yeah. He goes, you look incredibly calm and peaceful. He says, well, what's your story? <laughs> so he saw me demonstrating a peace and a trust in God, shining my light for him. And I didn't have to try and make that my response. It just was my response, a trust in God. So there are boundless opportunities for us to be that ongoing light in Jesus. So let your light shine. Now, you've got to actually have the light in you in the first place. And so here's the most important part of this morning that I want to talk to you about right now. That if you don't have that light of Jesus in your life, you're so missing out. So missing out. God loves you. He sent his son Jesus for you. Jesus is the light of God. And he wants to come into your heart as well. So I want to give you an invitation and an opportunity right now to respond to Jesus, to respond to that light. It is so easy. You just need to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he came, that he died for you. And if you ask him into your heart, he will come in. If you say yes to Jesus, he will come into your heart. And so if you're in the building, I want to give you an opportunity to respond in a, in a tangible way. All I will ask you to do is to raise your hand and everyone else around you, we're all going to close our eyes in just a few moments and I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand and that's all. I'm not going to then get you to come to the front. We're not going to have people come and chase you down at the end of the service. This is just between you and God. But I want you to do something tangible just by raising your hand and saying, yes, Jesus, I'm going to invite you into my heart. And if you're home, then I encourage you to do the same thing as well. Just raise your hand, just some sort of acknowledgement for Jesus to come into your life. So would you do that with me now? And church, if we can just bow our eyes just for a few moments. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you, Jesus, that you are the light of the world. And so, Father, for these people that I've been speaking to, they know that you have been speaking to them. It's been my voice, but it's been you speaking to them. So, Father, I pray that you will meet them where they are. And, Lord, that if they are responding to you, and if you're in the building, just put your hand up right now then, Lord, I pray that you will come into their life as your word says. Father, for those that are online, if they're responding to you, thank you for that. Maybe you're online and you're joining us in this service after we've gone live and you're seeing it a couple of days or a couple of weeks later, then you can respond right now. This time is for you. So just say yes to Jesus. And if that's you, then I'd like you to pray this simple prayer. And we're all going to pray together as a church family because this could be your very first prayer, but it's the most important one. So church, would you join me and repeat this after me? Dear Lord Jesus, I confess you are the Son of God. I ask you to come into my life. Forgive my sins and lead me for the rest of my life. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Fantastic. Thank you, church. Thank you, everyone online. That is the most important prayer you will ever pray. Inviting the light of Jesus into your life. Now, it doesn't just end in there. I said I wanted you to raise your hand to do something tangible. Well, we want to do something tangible for you as well. We have this program which we call Yes Text. What do we mean by that? Well, if you've got a mobile phone, we just ask you to text the word yes, Y-E-S, text it through to this number. 0488 826 392 
that's us. That's not some dial-up service. That's not some call centre in another part of the world. That's us. This is Metro Church. So text yes to that number. And that's you saying yes to Jesus. Now, not only do we want you to text it, and the reasons why is because starting from tomorrow at 7am Perth time or whatever time you might be in, we will send you for the next 30 days a short Bible verse. We'll show you a sample prayer as to how you can pray about that Bible verse. And we'll do that for the next 30 days. It won't cost you anything. You can stop if you ever want to, and very few people ever do that. But that's what we want to do for you is to help you start to read the Bible and to learn how to pray to Jesus. And that happens free of charge for the next 30 days. After that, there are some mini-series. They last for 10 days. And you can simply reply to those. We'll send you a keyword at the end of each mini-series, and you just reply to that one. So there might be one about prayer. So type in the word prayer, and you'll get 10 days' worth of prayer content. There might be one on healing. So type in the word healing at the appropriate time. And then we'll send you a 10-day series on healing. And if you join into all of those, we have got one and a half years' worth of content that comes to your smartphone every single day. And you can also get the online version of that. You can get it via email. So if you want to do the same thing via email, go to this web address, yes.metrochurch.org.au. And the same thing happens there as well. So be blessed with that. Thank you so much. Hey, now this morning, a few more things to do. Communion. We're going to be sharing communion together as a church family. We love doing that. So thank you, host team. If you could uh, begin to hand out uh, the elements, the emblems. And uh, we will do that. Thanks, Leo. So just uh, as you grab those, just hold on to them for a few moments. I just want to talk to you uh, a little bit about communion, give you some more insights about it. And then when we've all been served um, and I've said what I, what I want to say, uh, then we'll come together and we'll actually uh, have communion together as a church family. So I want to read this scripture out to you. And uh, sorry, I didn't give it to the CG team for the graphics team, so they don't have it for you. So you're really going to have to listen. But I'm sure it's a, um, a passage of scripture that you are probably familiar with because uh, this is spoken about a lot when it comes to communion. This is Luke chapter 22 and verses 14 to 20. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I, have, I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, this is given for you. This is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is poured out for you. So Jesus had this communion, the first communion, at the Passover. Now, the Passover happens once a year in the Jewish culture and it's a time when they remember when God delivered them from the Egyptian bondage that they suffered for many, many years. What would happen was that the Israelites would place blood of the lamb on the doorframe of their homes. It was actually a lamb that was sacrificed and it was the blood of the lamb that they would put over the doorframe so that the angel of death would pass over and they would escape death. So that's where Passover comes from. The, the, the angel of death would pass over that home because he saw the blood of the lamb on the doorframe 
of those homes. So then fast forward to the New Testament and John the Baptist says this, that he, when he saw Jesus, he said to his followers, Behold, the Lamb of God. Now the Lamb of God is a person in Christ Jesus. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So the Lamb of God, Jesus, is a sin offering. And again, death passes us over if we accept Jesus into our heart. Death passes us over because we have forgiveness of sin. So these physical elements that we have right here, this is as Jesus said, they are to be reminders of what Jesus did for us. So the bread is representative of the fact that his body was broken to pieces. His blood was shed. And what's most telling, I think, here is not only that Jesus taught us about these things, but he could have left it there. He could have just said, hey, by the way, just going to let you know that when the crucifixion comes, I'm going to give up my life. My body will be broken. My blood will be shed. And that will be forgiveness of sin. So just store that up. Just remember that. And that'll be powerful. But he didn't leave it there. He gave the emblems and he said, do this in remembrance of me. Remember, God is about doing. When God said, he said, let there be light, he said it and it came to pass. So Jesus didn't want us to just learn with our heads and understand what he was going to do for us. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Let's stand. Jesus, we thank you for your broken body, for your shed blood. And we come together this morning, Lord, as a church family. We thank you for these emblems that you gave us. We thank you for what you told us and do tell us every day. And Father, we thank you for the tangible, physical act of doing. We do this, Jesus, in remembrance of you. Thank you, Lord.